Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Angeline. And I'm Grace. And this is a podcast where the two of us, we take a movie, we put it to both feminist and inclusive tests, and then we ask the most important question of them all. Is the movie good? I was I was going to like put something funny in there, but then I couldn't think of anything. So that's what you got. Just the normal shit. Same week, different. Wait. Hi, Gracie. Same, same thing, same shit, different week. Is that what yeah. you want to say? Don't at me. Okay. I know I say that all the time. It's my new thing and I hate it. I need to stop. What? Don't at me? Don't at You're, me. You went from thanks I hate it to don't at me. You say don't at me all the time. I know I do. Anyways. Don't at me. Um, <laughs> so we're doing another Christian movie. And I have to say, this movie isn't a Christian movie. You know what this movie is? This is white supremacist propaganda. That's what this movie is. <laughs> I mean... And I have a valid-ass point, okay? I have a valid-ass point for this. Really? So, we're doing what's called The Buttercream Gang, which is a movie that came out in 1992. It was a straight-to-video movie. <laughs> yep. Feature films um, by... Uh... Feature films by, uh, for families or something like the, the, whoever made this movie, like they don't exist anymore. Like, right. Like the actual company. Um, so it was directed by Bruce Niebauer, who has also done, um, directed the Life of Jesus Christ TV miniseries, uh, Journey to Mecca. The Ghost of Dickens Past, and recent the most recent thing he did was a movie called The New Testament, which came out in 2013. Um, it was written by Forrest S. Baker III, who has written such classics as um, The Princess and the Pea, Tiny Heroes, and uh, In Your Wildest Dreams. Oh, and the tiny heroes <laughs> looks fucking awful. Oh, wow. Oh, I should have never clicked on that. Um, <laughs> as far as uh, starring, nobody of note. Um, Jason Johnson plays the character Scott. Michael D. Weathered plays the character Pete. Brandon Blazer plays the character of Eldon. Jason Glenn plays Lanny. And Stephanie Dees plays Margaret. Um... And they yeah. were never in so, a movie again. Well. Not one worth counting. Yeah. Because there was a sequel uh, to this movie. There was. There was Which a we will do next year. It's, it's, I think, I think, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if it's the same video entertainment group that ended up doing like McGee and Me, because that's listed as a more like this. It'd be interesting. Because mm -hmm. McGee and Me is something I remember watching as a yeah. kid. Um. But yeah, anywho's. So, Ageline, this movie doesn't have a Rotten Tomato score for critics, but it does have one for audience. Sixty-six percent. Yeah, sixty-six <laughs> fucking percent for this movie. Sixty-six <laughs> percent. When I tell you, I was shocked because yeah. this movie is boring. Honestly, 
But, like, there's a lot of implications in it that I do not oh, like. Um, oh, this so movie talk about them. is, like... The, the reason why I know about this movie is because there is a small cult following of people who, like, love this movie but hate it, like, because it's so bad. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the movie starts out with us basically um, meeting the quote unquote butter green buttercream gang, um, the which includes Scott, Pete, uh, Eldon, and Lanny. Um, Pete is moving away to live with his aunt to help take care of her kids. Um, he has no parents; his parents are dead. Um, <laughs> But one of the things that kills me is, like, the movie opens with, like, all of this, like, white suburban America, you know, like, kids playing baseball and hopscotch and, you know, like, they're good kids because they, they, uh, you know, like, play jump rope with the little kids and, you know, they go to the old man's country grocery store and they help the widow Jenkins when oh she falls God. down and okay. can't get up. Yeah. So they're like it, it it really is like like a Norman Rockwell painting almost. Like that's I think that's what they were kinda trying to get to, right? Like this going back to the nineteen fifties Americana um like ideal that is really toxic. <laughs> like it is not good. Um and then they've got uh, like they're playing in like this yard or whatever, and this little girl comes run running up, and I think it's the sister of one of, yeah, the, the widow, widow Jenkins. Jenkins has fallen. She has fallen, the widow, and she cannot get the up. The widow Jenkins, right? So, Call yeah, the doctor, but, quick. So they <laughs> they jump on their bikes. That joke went right and over they your go head. across town. Like, this little girl who found out about this could have called, like, 911 or an adult. But no, she went and got the mm -hmm. buttercream gang for this. She she, she literally yes. biked past the country yeah. store. Literally biked past it. Yeah. They have a phone. What? Even the little rascals knew to go to a payphone, and even though they didn't know the number to 911, yeah. they still tried. What's the number for 911? Uh, how should I know? So they end up going all the way <laughs> there, and then they have to, like, climb into the, like, the top part, and then they have, like, um, they have like a rope and they like pull it and like throw it over a thing and then all of them are like hoisting it up so that one of the kids can go up and then like he's the one who ends up like going down unlocking the door and like lets everybody in right and like that's when the widow Jenkins is like oh I don't know what happened right and she's like oh I just fell I'm an old yeah, lady and she's clearly like having a concussion <laughs> but she's like oh no I'm fine but you know I'm old so I need here go to the grocery store for me and then you can keep the change for yourself you know go buy yourself a candy bar yeah um, so they go to like the grocery like the corner store right and they end up like talking to the guy who owns it and he's like oh is this buttercream 
like business and they're like yep and he's like well you know i used to be a butter creamer and it's like okay so so here's my theory right out the oh. fucking gate all right so mr grocery store clerk is like yeah you know my great granddaddy started the buttercream gang and it all started when there were a bunch of you know a bunch of uh invader not invaders what did he call them he didn't say riots he yeah raids he's like there were a bunch of raids and we you know my great granddad and a couple of other, other young fellas decided that they needed to protect the women. And because they were able to do it, and they helped the women with their chores, they got called the buttercreamers. Now, one thing... Yeah, because they went and they, like... Turned the butter. Um, They turned the butter for the, the widows. Uh-huh. Um, because apparently a lot of the men had died in these raids. Uh-huh. So essentially what he's saying is this prairie town, um, which is like U.S. Americana, very, very white, um, it got raided by... Native Americans? Indigenous people. Yeah. Indigenous people, Native Americans, and a bunch of the pe- like a bunch of the guys got killed. There are And then the young fellows... Y'all, there's literally not a single person of color in this movie. Not a single one, one, which is why I and like, what was the name of their town? It was something fucked up where I was like, really? That's what it's called? (laughs) I don't even remember remember, what the name was. I can't remember the name of the town, but it was something that made me go, yikes. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) so... I I am operating under the theory that the Buttercream Gang is actually a gang that was started as, like, a racist brigade against indigenous people. That's what I think. <laughs> well, someone in yeah, our chat calls um... it a sundown town. Yeah, absolutely. There are no, nobody with any trace of melanin in their skin is in this town. It is all white all white (laughs) so like i'm operating under the assumption that this town is very racist (laughs) oh um 100 and there's a lot of like anti-chicago rhetoric in this movie which if you know anything about republican politics in the united states or conservative politics but what about chicago Chicago? like what about about the race what about black on black crime in Chicago? Oh my Every god, the way they talk about time. Chicago, like people are being gunned down in the streets. Like, that's how they talk. Like, uh, that people are just gonna, sh- like, or people are just walking around shooting each other in the head. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's a war zone to the conservatives. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, Pete ends up moving to Chicago and he's there for about six months. Well, he ends up uh, falling into a gang, but not not like a buttercream gang, which is a good gang. No, this gang um, dresses in chinos and tucks their shirts in and wears button ups with only the top button buttoned, um, and they wear what bandanas. Was so you know they're awful. The style, like what was Pete's style in this entire movie? He like he dressed like an old I have no man, idea. like somebody, like a dude from the nineteen. 19- 30s almost and like he might as well have just had like a hat and he's like that's the cat's meow like that's how he dressed 
<laughs> like that's i mean i know that's the 1920s but like he honestly dread like it's almost like they got the wardrobe from uh the play like the musical chicago and they're like here you're gonna wear this and dress like the the musical chicago <laughs> No, he should have been dressed. No, okay, I'll tell you what he was dressed like. Mm. Anybody ever seen West Side Story? That's what he was dressed like. West Side Story. Like, he was dressed like a fucking, uh, a shark. Yeah. Like, that's what he was dressed as. A shark, not a jet. Because, you know, when you're a jet, you're the... Oh, you're the that's that's why you can totally best. tell that this entire movie was made by a fucking boomer. Because, like... The way that they're dressed, like, everything is, like, 1950s Americana. There are children. There are children running around with t-shirts tucked into Mm -hmm. jean pants. And it was driving me crazy. Why is this child wearing a tucked-in plain t-shirt with jean shorts? Like, 100%. (laughs) Like, this was written... And, like, directed by a dude who grew up in, like, Levittown. Like, obviously. Like, that that's what it felt like. Obviously. Yeah. It's, it's like he basically tried to make Mayberry turn into, like, Mayberry, which is the town of uh, the Andy Griffith show. It's essentially a modern day Mayberry yeah. for the 90s. And I think that's what they were aiming for is like, oh, it's just a down hometown where everybody's white and you know your neighbor and there's no crime here because crime doesn't exist, even though this is definitely a spot where a heroin epidemic would take place. So, I mean, <laughs> listen, meth was just around a corner. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's be honest. When you have such small towns like that, a lot of the times there's a huge drug problem is all I'm saying. And I'm coming from someone who grew, who has grown up in nothing but small towns her entire yeah. life. When you're when you have that small of a town, there's not a big industry. The economy pretty much sucks. Um, people have to drive 20 miles from nowhere just to have a decent paying job. Like poverty is huge in these rural towns for a reason. Oh yeah, like the, and those were like rural towns are dying all across America. Uh, like, those are <laughs> like, big ass houses too, right? But like from like Buddy's dad, right? Who I will refer to from now on as Randy Travis cuz that's what he looked like. He looked like Randy <laughs> Travis. He, he looked like his name is now Randy Travis. Do you mean Randy do you mean do you mean Travis Tritt? No, Randy Travis. Travis Tritt's the one Travis Tritt's the one with the mullet oh. and the mustache. I don't fucking know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know what? I'm just going to call him Randy Travis because I don't... Because Fair I enough. don't actually know. I just... He he was like okay. that late... Like he looked like a late uh, early 90s like country star. Like that's what he looked like. Like mullet with a Fair mustache. Enough. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So... And the other thing, too, like, there are such long spans in this movie of, like, shit that does not matter. Like, there's the writing part because, what's his name? Scott keeps sending letters to Pete. And he's like, hey, how's it going? How's Chicago? And, like, we see, like, you know, that Pete's going down the wrong, you know, 
and and then he ends up getting in a fight with his uh his aunt who's like i brought you here to you know be a good example for my kids and you're out there doing drugs and she literally says i know your parents are dead but that's no excuse and it's like ooh. And I was like, damn, no wonder he hates it there. <laughs> this woman was literally like, yeah, I get it. Your parents are dead, but that's no excuse for you to be an asshole. <laughs> so she packs his shit and he heads right on back home to his grandpappy's house. Um, and when he gets back, he's changed. You know, he wears that bandana all the time. He's he's talking oh, he- real cool. And even even though he's oh, not he's smoking also- cigarettes, he kind of gets. Huh? Oh, he's also gone to jail, too. Right. So, like, yeah, because he got arrested and then he was in jail. Oh, right, 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 right. So, mm-hmm. um, and that, that means he's, like, he's real bad now, right? Um, and, like, the entire the time I'm just, like, man, did something happen to Pete? Like, he, it, he's obviously showing signs of, like, acting out because something um, bad must have happened. He has two dead parents. Yeah. Like, like he's maybe send him to therapy yeah like i feel like maybe (laughs) pete needs to go to therapy and you know like jesus isn't gonna help this okay sometimes but but why therapy when you can just pray about it is prayer therapy sure (laughs) i dead ass don't know how to respond (laughs) um so yeah one of the weird things too is that like scott i don't know why they frame this movie this way there's a lot of weird in this movie also they are too young in this movie like i agree that's the thing that was killing me about it is like these are 12 year olds i feel like if these were older teenagers if these were like you know, 16 to 18 year old kids because Pete looks fucking 20 and I'm expected to believe he's like only 14 or 15 Yeah, because he's supposed to be around the same age as Scott and Eldon and Lanny who all look 12. Like they all look 12, 13 years old and like he's supposed to be 14, 15. I don't see it. He looks like a 20 year old and like there's these weird scenes. Oh, well, like you because this is essentially like they were going for stand by me for sure like, that's what they were trying to do with this movie but like oh, mormonism i guess so and like the girl who played in it mar um margo or margaret or whatever like she's a yeah she's like 11 like has and to they be make her 11. a love and, interest like, and they also there's this one scene where like pete is showing to the others like what a bad influence he's become there's this one scene where margaret t- tells on pete for stealing or doing something and so pete and his two friends that are the new gang he's in surround her with their bikes and are pulling on her and they're you know, pulling her hair and tugging at her clothes. And then one of them ominously says that they'll take care of her later. But the way they frame it makes it seem like, holy shit balls bad. Like, almost like they frame it as though they're going to be like violent against her in a very, very bad way. Yeah. And And I'm not talking fists. And I was just like, what the yeah. actual it was fuck like, is this movie doing? Yeah, it was very bad framing. Bad it was framing. Like, 
no like these are these are children like no um yeah so yeah the other thing too is that like scott keeps trying to be friends with pete again and pete's like no like i don't want to be friends you're a dweeb like whatever right and then he ends up like um like pete roughs him up a few times too or something and then we've also got like this side thing where um what was the re like was it margaret that asked scott out to the dance or was it him that asked her like I forget, but like I think I don't. I know. think they played it off I don't as know. like it doesn't matter. He owed her. Oh, he owed her a favor because she was the one who found out about uh, like gangs because she did a paper on gangs in Chicago, right? And uh, and like because she, yeah, and because of that sounds ominous. He um like yeah, and then she's like, "Well, take me Oda to the dance," and then like. He does take her to the dance, right? And it's it's just weird. It's it's very 1950s, like, going to the house with a corsage and, like, you know, the mother comes there and she's like, oh, aren't you adorable? And But they're, but they're 12 and 13, yeah. so it's weird. It's just weird. And then there's, like, almost this kind of jealousy that Pete seems to have at Scott and Margaret's relationship, which I hesitate to even call a relationship because, again, they're fucking children. And, like, one of the ways he does something is he, like, puts an M80, uh, you know, he lights an M80 firecracker and then throws it at them while they're in the middle of their dance to break them up. And then Scott, you know, comes running out of the dance hall going, why would you do that, Pete? And it plays weird. Like, again, the framing of this movie is super fucking weird. And it gives me a lot of weird vibes. Like, I... It would have made so much more sense if they'd have just went with older teenagers. It would have, it would have, like, okay, like, for example. Oh, it'd still be terrible. to remember, technically. Yeah, it would have been still, like, terrible, but if they had people who were, like, 1920, like, years old, then that would have, mm-hmm. it would have made way more sense. Like, late college, uh, late high school, early college age. Yeah. Like, for example... If this movie had used actors that were the same age as, like, Shane West and Mandy Moore in A Walk to Remember, right, which is about two 17-year-olds, I would have felt more comfortable with some of the storyline choices they made with this movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, some of these storyline choices have me going, oh, they're really young to be doing that. Oh, that's, mm, this is a weird framing device for something, you know, like, it's just... It's weird. It's it's not good. And then, like, there's almost this, like, this vibe that Pete has a crush on Scott. Like, okay, it's a I didn't weird want to say vibe. it, but it, but it is. Like, the entire time I was just like... I'm Pete not going to call is... it homoerotic because there's nothing erotic about it. But, like, no. it's almost like Pete has a crush on him. Yes. Um, yeah, and, like, the the other thing, too, about, like, um, Buddy's dad, right, Randy Travis, he's, like, 
he plays like a tired dad and i swear to god he must have gone through like vietnam or something right <laughs> like he just seems like really tired and he like worked a long day and like the mo because the mom's obviously a homemaker right mm-hmm. and like he comes home and he like barely even wants to talk to his children like it's <laughs> like fucking randy travis is having vietnam flashbacks like <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> But, like, he ends up having this conversation with Scott where he's like, yeah, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. You know, don't don't be violent like Pete's being violent. You know, love him. Oh, my God. He does end up. He ends up talking about, like, one of his old war buddies. Like, that's why I got the idea that he was obviously in Vietnam. But, like, he talks about a guy that he was in the military with who, like, always turned the other cheek. And I guess, like, everybody made fun of the buddy because of that. And then, like, his friend died. Like, the one who was, like, Christian and, like, turned the other cheek. And it was like, Dad, why are you telling me this weird story about your dead friend? Like, to turn the other cheek? Yeah. And and so Scott ends up doing that, even though it's really hard. And, like, and then Pete keeps, like, escalating the bullshit. Like, Scott ends up getting beat up by Pete's goons, you know? Yeah. And then, like, Scott's like, you know what? I still, like, love you and I'm still going to pray for you. And I was like, Scott, no. Like, it's really setting up an abusive relationship. It's very similar to when, like... A woman who is being abused goes to her pastor and is like, hey, you know, my husband is doing all these terrible things to me. And the pastor is like, well, you're not praying hard enough, which happens all the fucking time. Same Mm -hmm. energy. okay? sometimes it's okay to not turn the other cheek. You know, sometimes there is a necessary need for retribution. okay? you know, if someone is beating you. You have every fucking right to make a swing, all right? I'm just yeah. saying. Um, so what ends up happening, like, towards the end of the movie is Pete is stealing from the store again. And Scott calls him out on it. Or, or no, they get, into, like, Pete gets into a fight with Scott. And then he goes to the store and he tries to rob the store. And the guy's like, oh, well, you're not robbing the store. I'm giving you $200. Here, take it. Take the $200. And Pete's like, I don't want it. I want to steal it. You're not letting me. If you, if I take it from you, old man, then it's not stealing anymore. And then Scott comes in and he's like, what's wrong with you? And my favorite line of the movie happens. He's like, why are you like this? And Pete goes, it's because I hate myself. Why am I laughing about this? Because it's such a terrible representation. <laughs> it's so bad. Why are you doing all these horrible things? Because I hate myself. It's... I hate myself, okay? I hate myself. <laughs> so... I, just, I had to pause the movie. I and was then, laughing like, And so then Pete's hard. just like, um, <laughs> he's like, well, how can I hate? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, because, like, uh, Pete's like, I want you to hate me. And, like, Scott's like, well, you're my friend. I can't hate you. And he's like, well, I hate myself. <laughs> and just like, okay. Right? And then, so then, yeah, like, so- after, uh, like, Pete has this mental breakdown in the local corner shop. Like, he he trashes the place. Like, 
Oh, well, he also had, like, tried, like, I think all of this started because he had tried to initiate his own kidnapping to get money out of his grandpa. I think that's how it started. (laughs) Like, he was staging a kidnapping to get money out of his grandfather so he could leave town. And then... Yeah, and then the Buttercream gang, like, beat up the the robber who is the best actor in this entire movie. (laughs) So good. He's like, it's almost like... Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's really bad <laughs> but um so anyway pete ends up like going back to chicago and some more time passes things settle down you know and uh scott's dad was like well sometimes son you can't win them all um so months pass and then one day uh scott gets uh called to uh pete's granddaddy's house because they haven't heard from Pete in, in, in a while. And then everybody's gathered around like it's going to be a fucking funeral. You know? But no. No, it's not a funeral at all. Pete has seen the error of his ways, you guys. He got a fucking handshake from the mayor. And an article written about him. And how he's starting a Chicago chapter of the Buttercream Gang. And then the movie ends with them having to rescue Mrs. Jen- the widow Jenkins again from a fall. <laughs> from her depression. <laughs> That's the movie. Yeah. Um, the other thing, too, I want to say is there is a baseball scene in this movie that is so fucking long. Like, this baseball it's scene like is... I literally skipped over it because it's useless. It's ridiculous. Except to say, turn the other cheek. Like, it has... Yeah, it has, like, no reason to be that fucking long. But it's essentially, like... Um, like, because Pete, like, yells uh, something and then that messes, um, like, Scott up and he, like... That they lose the game or something like it, it's but the but the scene is just so fucking long it's like a full 10 minutes if not longer yeah but yeah mm. but yeah super mormon uh interesting take you have there um the only trivia this movie has is that it was reviewed by the cinema snob on youtube and was the topic of episode 53 of the podcast Good Christian Fun, which I might just look into for research purposes for more Christian films. Um, um, oh, and there's there's one more in the scene. And, and guys, it may give away important plot points. Oh, man. Oh, in fuck. the scene where Pete and his friends jump Scott while he's riding his bike just before Pete jumps out to surprise him, Scott puts his finger on the handbrake to prepare to stop. It was obviously so Scott could stop his bike quickly after Pete jumps out to surprise him. Thanks, IMDb. Gee. Thanks, IMDb. Thank you. Um, so I guess... <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, again, like the last movie we watched on this podcast, um, does not pass Bechdel, does not pass Rachel Bechdel, doesn't pass Duvernay, doesn't pass Macklemore, doesn't pass Vito Russo for sure. It's a movie about Mormon kids. It's not going to pass the Vito Russo test. <laughs> um, what about the cast uh, test? Nope, doesn't pass that either. There are no there are no uh, children who have any sort of 
disability. Um, they're all pretty, uh, pretty. What about pretty what about young. Randy Travis? He's obviously got PTSD. I'm kidding. That's an awful joke. I'm so sorry. Um. So yeah, it doesn't pass any of those uh, any of those tests. It it fucking sucks. Um. Uh, and as far as the movie, it's it's bad. I understand why there's a cult following for it, but like at the same time, it's not for me. Okay, it's it's not. It sucks. I was bored. Like literally, the only thing that made me laugh is when he was when he was fake crying and saying how much he hated himself. Because, like, that's a mood. Okay, so somebody that I know who introduced this film to me, right? Um, they want to do a uh-huh. stage musical of this movie. Um, but, like, what? over over the top. But they want to put, like, adult, <laughs> adult actors as the characters. Oh, my God, yes. Like, yes, make it adult and then make sure that Pete and Scott that get there happily ever after. Oh, no. <laughs> but you have to make them adults. You have to make them adults for it to work. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the movie. It sucks. Terrible. Um, we only have one more. The good thing is, it's like Christian movies. Almost, Christian movie month is almost over. We only got one more to go. Yeah. And uh, we saved the best for last because, you know, we, we've talked about God's Not Dead on this podcast twice yeah. already. And uh, there's only one more God's Not Dead movie. Just so one. it's going to be our grand fucking finale. So yeah. I, I hope you all are ready because the first two are terrible. So I can only imagine what the, what the third one's going to be like. Which I have said the third one is not as bad as the first two. So my fingers are crossed we actually get to watch a good movie this month. <laughs> Sorry, somebody in chat's just like, and Randy Travis is replaced by Randy Savage. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Which is so funny. <laughs> Which is so funny because <laughs> one time, and I know this is side note, but I don't care. Um, but it is the end of the podcast. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, one time when I was uh, on the radio, I was trying to make a joke about Randy Savage, and I accidentally said Randy Travis, and it was like, it, it just didn't work. And apparently, this didn't work either. So, oops. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's the movie. Next week, we are going to be doing God's Not Dead 3, A Light in the Darkness. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, you can check us out. Uh, as Ashling did mention, chat, we are recording these live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash feminist critique. Please join our Twitch. We talk about, uh, we do our podcast. We do politics. We do chill stream nights. And if you're listening to this, it's still October. That means you have time to watch public domain horror movies with us on stream. Come and join. Um, I am, uh, you know, you can also check out our, uh, Twitter, which is at feminist pod. And I am on Twitter at South of Grace. Ageline. I'm also on Twitter as, uh, Ageline's A-I-S-L-E-N-E-S. And the other one, Instagram, my drag name is Aurora Borealis. You can check that out too. It's kind of cool. There's a picture of my cat. The best cat yep. that looks like it's gonna murder her. 
It's true. Sleep. I fucking love my cat, even though she looks like she's going to murder me all the time. Okay. Well, we will see you guys yeah. next week. Have a wonderful one and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.